0: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I almost feel like I don't need to bring a message because there has been so much spoken and so much um, that's happened this morning. So, how are y'all doing? Awesome. I'm actually really excited about what I want to talk about today because God has been talking to me about it for some time and I think there's a reason Sergio allowed me to speak while he was not in town. (laughs) So he doesn't have to worry about any backlash. (laughs) Um, But y'all can talk to Rusty. (laughs) Should you feel the need. Um, But I actually want to talk this morning about faith. And... You know, before if someone were to ask me if I had faith, I would have been like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a woman of faith. I absolutely have faith." And the Lord started speaking to me about this, and He showed me that I do not have faith. And I think many of us may find ourselves in a similar position. And you know, there's, there's those people who do have faith. God bless them. I'm not one of them. They're gifted with it. There is such a thing as a gift of faith where they just always believe that God's going to work everything out and they just seem to believe for all these things. And you know, I've never been somebody like that. And I used to I used to justify it by saying that I'm really practical and I'm really logical and I'm really wise and my decision making is because I have wisdom. And um, the Lord pointed out to me that, no, it's because you lack faith. And you believe four things, but in your mind, in the back of your mind, you're finding all the different ways that you can execute that. And so when he started speaking to me about all all of this, you know, in this, right now in our world, we have a lot of really good motivational speaking. That happens a lot in the church. We, we talk about faith, but somehow we've made faith all about us, about what God is going to do for me. And it's very self-serving. And we have so much penetrated in the church, these ideologies that are not biblical, they're Western. And we made God the God who gives me stuff, And the sad reality is the people coming out of the church are weak and dry and they have no power and no strength because we've made the gospel not about Christ but about ourselves. And we see that the world so much overtakes things and leads things and influences things and the church comes behind the world instead of the opposite. And so faith is actually a very vulnerable place to be i used to think that it was a power position but actually faith is this heavy reliance on jesus and that's very vulnerable and we're taught and i and i so believe this and i didn't even realize it but you know i'm somebody that doesn't need anything you know i've never been clingy or needy and if you are someone like that god bless you but I'm not that way. And I almost felt proud of it. And uh, God was like, I actually want you to be needy and clingy to me. Not to people, but to me. Be so clingy that you are unable to make a decision without me. Be so needy That you need my voice to function, to to raise your children, to do business well, be in so much need of me. And as an entrepreneur, we're, we're always, there's like this whole, you know, sphere of entrepreneurship where it's all about. Going to go get things done and we pump ourselves up. And, and, and we've, we've <laughs> I hear it all the time, different scriptures taken out of context about God gives me the strength that I need and I can do all things through Christ. You know, Paul said that in, in prison, in chains. But we say that because we're trying to promote our business. <laughs> Not that it's wrong to be in business, but God is always after our heart and our motive, and we're in a generation that needs the power of God, not the words. We're in a generation that is hungry for the spirit of God, for miracles. This generation doesn't want what's catchy and what's pretty and what sounds nice. They wanna see deliverance from mental health issues. They wanna see freedom from demonic oppression and sickness. That's what this generation is after, and we must step into that place if we're gonna lead anybody. And we can't do it by sounding good. We have to do it by how we live. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't started yet, but I'm getting there. I promise. But the big key thing um, with faith is I believe we need to make a shift. And there's there's only two things: there's being under God or being under yourself, which essentially is being under Satan. There's no gray area. And what happens when we start going into faith and a lot of this new age stuff has so seeped into the church, it's frightening. And it's all about my ability and my power and my better self and my higher self. No, actually the gospel is self needs to die so Christ can be on the throne in your life. That's what, what the Christianity is all about. But... It really boils down to I'm either submitted to God or myself. I was researching the Satanic Bible. I would not recommend doing that, but I found something really profound and really interesting in the Satanic Bible. And the Satanic Bible, it's all about do as unto yourself. Do what pleases you. Do what fulfills you. Do what serves you. And what happens is when we're not yielded to Jesus, we're yielded to the devil. There's no in-between. So we think we're doing for us, but if you peel back the layers, we're actually yielded to the devil. And what God started revealing to me is how much we don't realize how yielded we are to the enemy, and we wonder why we have no power in our lives, why we are overcome so easily. And, and faith is something that we're all given faith. The Bible says we all have a measure of faith, but it really is what we do with the faith that will either grow or it will die the moment we receive it. Because when we get saved, God gives us the ability first to believe that he has saved us, but then to walk it out and live it out. And if we feed it, it grows. When we, when we spend time with the Lord, it grows. And apart from being with Jesus, you cannot have faith. You can't. That's when doubt comes in. When you spend time with God, it really starts changing you. Amen. And for me, this was something that was, God started talking to me a lot about spending time privately, in the closet, quietly, or in my room or wherever. But making it a point to spend time with him. And it was, it was so weird for me in the beginning you know, I remember <laughs> I would sit there and I felt so bored. I'm like, okay, what do I do? I read three scriptures. Okay, I'm done. But I kept at it. And sometimes I would, you know, watch a sermon or, or get a, you know, start singing worship. And my, everything on the inside of me started changing. And I started finding freedom that I had tried every physical thing to to do and I could never access it. And and the way, just everything, the way I saw changed and the strength I had to do things, it it all changed. But most importantly, God started dealing with me. And that's the big thing I wanna hone in on. I wanna talk about faith in two aspects. And the first aspect is yielding. Yielding is to give way to produce. The Bible talks about yielding. And it's, I'm going to start with John chapter 15 verses 1 and 2. And it says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Another version says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, he cuts away, trims off and takes away, and he cleanses it and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more and richer and more excellent. You know, this passage talks about what God does when we yield to him. And there's so many things. and, And here's the thing is, we are powerless against sin, We are powerless to do right. Like the the greatest thing that I've ever done is be honest with myself. I don't I don't live in a lie. Like I call my own self out. And I realize like a part I am unable to do anything. Like I wanna give up all the time. I sometimes want to give my kids up for adoption because I don't know how to keep on going. I wanna run away from my business. You know, I there's so many things that I realize I, can, I cannot do. And then as I'm spending time with God, he starts dealing with me. And it stinks. And it's uncomfortable. And, and I, you know, every trial, I've had a lot of them. And I would, and the hardest part is in the trial to yield to Jesus and just say, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? That's yielding. I, not my way, your way. And the crazy thing is I used to get so frustrated because what what does God do when you yield? He prunes you even more. When I'm fully fully surrendered, you know, all in, every bad thing that could happen has. (laughs) I don't understand. I used to be like, God, I don't understand. And he led me to John and he's pruning us. Why? Why? So we can bear more fruit. And the people who don't bear fruit, they get cut off. Meaning, they stop hearing God. Their lives start falling apart. How many leaders do you see on, on a high and God is using them and something happens? It's because they've, they've stopped yielding. Because when you're yielded, there's a humility that happens. And it becomes not about you anymore and about getting your way and about everything going how you want it to go. It's about saying, okay, Jesus, here I am. And the yielding only happens in the secret place with God. Not when people are watching, not on a Sunday morning. It's when you're bearing your soul to the king of heaven, then he starts showing you things. And then there's moments where we go into the wilderness. I talked about this, and I really feel passionate to address the wilderness because we're in a society and a culture that doesn't understand that there is no power in, in, in your walk unless you go through wilderness, We look at wilderness as as a bad thing, and we're not supposed to go through it. And the sad tragedy is so many Christians die in the wilderness. They lose their faith in the wilderness. We have a generation that had a hardship, and now I walked away from the Lord because he didn't give me what I wanted. This is so heavy in the church. We preach a gospel of you get what you want when you come to Jesus. He's there to make your dreams happen, and we call it faith. We have so many people that fall apart when things get hard and we're not training them and showing them that actually the wilderness must happen or you're not going to see your God show up in that wilderness You're not going to know him. When you go through hardship and you find God in your hardship, in your challenge, he becomes real to you. And then you realize how much you need him. And that's when your life starts changing. Your life won't change until you do some distance with God. Because God won't be trustworthy until you go through wilderness. Until you go through some hell. Until you go through some trials and some heartache and things you can't explain and things you don't understand. The wilderness. The wilderness is not comfortable, but all powerful people go through it. Moses went through it. Jesus went through it. And somehow we think we're not supposed to? What gospel are you reading? Like Kim said, it's in here. The problem is we don't know what's in here, so we get beat up by everything. The wilderness is so important, and I just want to read a few descriptions of the wilderness. The wilderness in the dictionary is is uncultured, barren, desolate, bewildered, and confused. Has anyone felt these things before? That's wilderness in the dictionary, in the urban dictionary, which is always a fun one. The wilderness is whatever you make it. (laughs) But in Hebrew, the wilderness, speak the word, a.k.a. The word speaks. The wilderness is where you encounter God and you are actually available and broken enough to hear him. The wilderness is something we have to understand that is a part of yielding So when we come out of it, we have faith. You cannot have faith without the wilderness. You cannot believe that God is faithful without the wilderness. Your character develops in the wilderness. The wilderness is where we meet God. And I want to encourage you if you're in that place, don't try to leave it too quickly because he's pruning you because we need to produce fruit. We're not in a time where we can cruise through church and do the Jesus thing. Like the Bible says that when people come to heaven they're going to say Lord Lord I did miracles in your name I did this in your name and he's going to say I never knew you. Because most people talk the talk. They sound the part. They have the following. But they don't know him intimately. And they even like you can you can do miracles and prophesy and not know Jesus. Come on. just because you're blessed doesn't mean you know Jesus because in the scripture it seems like the people in the wilderness are the ones who know him like Paul in the prison that's why they were okay being there in the prison cell because they knew him and and things change when you when you step into that and if we don't Spend time with Jesus. We're lying to ourselves about knowing him. It's really that simple. You're yielded to God or you're yielded to the devil. Everything that we do must be filtered through the wilderness, through yielding, because God shows us what you're you're really after, what you really are about, and he wants to shift that. And there's something that happens when we yield, and the Bible calls it sanctification. This is where... We become stripped. And there's usually four phases. I just want to go through it. Number one, when you first come to Jesus and you start yielding to him, God starts dealing with, you know, immediate things, things that are going to destroy your body. Like, oh, don't do this. This is going to, this is damaging to you. He starts addressing those surface level things. The things that are entangling us that are more physical. And the tragedy is so many Christians never even go f- from that place. We live in sin. We're trapped in sin. We're constantly being destructive with our bodies. And God is just trying to help us, help us graduate from, from number one. Let's, let's deal with the forefront. But once God starts dealing with the physical and the things that we're doing that are destructive, He starts going a little deeper into your mind, into your soul, into your mindset and your thoughts. And he starts showing you, this is why you're doing this. This is a negative thought. This is how you're thinking. This, This thought is not subject to my word. This is where the enemy plays around with you because you start thinking here and then the actions Start producing what you think in your mind. He starts dealing with your true motives, your heart. And a lot of religious people are here. Oh, they know all the God stuff. Oh, they know what, you know, certain scriptures say, but they've never let it seep into their mind and their soul and their spirit. That's why they think they've got it all together. But God wants to change. And every time you think you know him, he wants to show you something else about him. And every time you think you've arrived, he sends wilderness to show you you haven't and you still need to hear his voice. Oh, but we're so stuck here because we know our 10 little scriptures. And if, But if we're willing to be yielded, so we're teachable and open, then he starts addressing your mindset. And when he starts addressing your thought life, it's not just to tell you, he wants you to start changing it and God, show me how to think. Show me how to live differently. Show me how to yield my soul, all the stuff that's in here. He wants us to yield those things, and when we do that, there's a third stage. And that's when God asks you to lay it all down. All your hopes, all your dreams, your calling, your ministry, Your business and when I say lay it down I don't mean walk away but I'm saying lay it down from your heart or it doesn't matter anymore this process stinks this is really hard everything that you ever desired he wants you to give it to him and lay everything down it's a stripping away but it's necessary I remember before COVID, God started speaking to me about all this, and I was yielded, and I was having all my moments, and I said no to all kinds of things, and, you know, I I had to say no to relationships. That was hard. I had to. I just, I like, I felt like I gave everything up for Jesus, and I felt pretty good about myself, but, you know, God doesn't ever let you feel good. And he said, okay, your business, give it to me. And I was proud of my business because I built it from the ground up with two babies. It was hard. And I was like, I don't care. I hate my business, I'll walk away tomorrow. And he's like, no, you're relying on it to sustain you. You're so afraid of being in poverty that you become a workaholic. Give it to me. You know, and I used to be like, I never wanted to be in ministry. Like, I was like, no, I'll just fund all your ministers. And I just felt like Lord, the Lord was like, no, I'm changing your heart and your direction. Give it to me. And I battled because I felt terrified. And then finally, I was like, okay, God, I, I give it to you. I got to the place. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a conversation you have with the Lord, whatever area in your life. I had to do that with relationships. I had to do that with so many different. It wasn't easy. Nothing is easy, but I'm so glad I yielded and I gave him my business. Whatever you want. I'm going to trust you to provide for myself, my children. Okay. And then COVID hit a month later, and I lost 80% of my income. And I was totally fine. But But here's the thing. God knew that. And he knew that if I had lost that amount of income, it would have devastated me. And that's why he wanted me to give it to him. To show I'm provider. And he's totally provided many times over. But he wants us to yield that thing we're so afraid to give up. To let go of everything. That's the third stage of the sanctification process because that's called dying to your flesh. And we don't want to talk about that in church. We're obsessed with everything. We're obsessed with things that are empty. But he wants us to lay it down, to die to our flesh because he wants to show up powerful in our lives and then The fourth stage is when you don't care about it anymore. Then he's like, okay, pick it back up, and I'm going to do much more than you ever thought possible with that thing that you were so afraid to give me. And often in that place, God will redirect our hearts. He will show us bigger dreams, bigger things. Because, and, and why does he do that? So you could yield fruit. So, he's more concerned with what you're becoming, with who you're becoming, and not what. We are, we are such a surface-level culture that we have, that we're actually, we've become numb, and we've normalized people living double lives. Of course, of course, you're going to be this way here and another way there. We've normalized that. This is sick. This is not healthy. This does not belong in the body of Christ, That's why he wants to do the sanctification process. The point where we we start dying slowly so that he could live, because it's all about him. So, from yielding, then comes faith true faith, because it's not about us anymore. That kind of faith comes when we've spent time in that secret place with God when nobody's watching. Because it's a a daily thing. It's consistent. Like she said, read the Bible daily. It's a daily thing. We're always finding reasons why we can't do it. I get it. I run a business. I'm I'm remodeling a house. I have children. But God started showing to me that this must be a non-negotiable in my life. It doesn't look the same every day. Sometimes it's it's in, in the day. And then if I don't have the kids for a morning and I don't have a million things to do, I, I, I have date times with God. Where it's just me and you, Jesus. And I write things down and God starts showing me things. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And there, and there is nothing that I would ever sacrifice for that. Amen. Nothing. I cannot explain to you when God is that in your life. I cannot explain to you how amazing it is. How fulfilling it is. It is the most liberating thing you could ever experience. I would trade nothing. It's not worth it. Nothing is worth it for that, for what I have with Jesus. That's been forged in wilderness, in death to flesh. But faith comes from there. God, uh, started, <laughs> I was having a moment, and I, I got really sick last year. And it was—I honestly thought I was gonna die. Um, and I'm—I'm I'm tough. I don't, you know, I'm—I'm I'm used to feeling sick every now and again. I don't even bat an eyelash. But I was very unwell to a point where, you know, I just felt like my body, my organs were shutting down, and I would, you know, get winded going from my car to the house I would be like you know you know just I couldn't breathe and and I and I do CrossFit so it was really bizarre to me and I was having so many things and I would be going numb and all all kinds of things and I was taking blood tests and I couldn't figure out what was going on and and I finally was so so unwell that I was in bed for a couple days and I was like god I don't understand like why am I in this wilderness like (laughs) I've, I've been in that place for a long time and, and God spoke to my heart and he said, okay, Martha. And that's all he said. And I understood because when God speaks, he can speak two words to you and you get a revelation of a million different things. Amen. And he showed me, you're busy, 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 like Martha in the Bible. Busy, busy. I was fighting trafficking. I was do- serving in church. I was doing this, this. Not good things, okay? Good things. But busy, busy, busy. And not like Mary at the feet of Jesus. Amen. And he said, I never asked you to do that. But I am asking you to be here with me. And we're a nation, we're a, a generation of busy, busy Christians. Go through the motions. Get the programs. Get the self-help book. We've forgotten and we've lost the importance of just being at his feet. And that's why we're like, what's going on in church? Why are they taking so long? Because we don't, we don't know him. We don't, that's weird to us. Christianity is a little bit weird. But I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's changed. It's revolutionized everything in my life. And the most amazing thing that people don't understand is when you spend time with Jesus, the Bible tells us to go in that secret place. When you spend time with him, the thing that you're struggling to defeat, he's going to show you how. Amen. And, and, I, and I, there was a time where I got all into self-help, new age, all of it. I was going to help myself and free myself, and I was seeing therapists and all that. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, Well, new age, yes, but seeing therapists, nothing wrong with that. But I was so determined, and I was obsessed with it. I mean, eight hours a day, I was listening and minding my thought life and doing, doing, doing. And when I finally came to Jesus, he did it in two seconds. That's the power. I mean, the principles of the Bible work whether you know God or not. That's why you see people who are prosperous because they're doing the principles of the Bible. And you see people with healthy marriages because they're following the Bible, whether they know Jesus or not. That's right. And then you see Christians who don't know the Bible and their marriages are awful. Their finances are a mess because they don't read the Bible. They don't apply the principles. But here's the difference is when you know the Lord, he can do supernatural things in two seconds. He can show you a pathway. I've done it so much in business. He shows me, okay, don't, don't invest in this, do this, go here. Even with my kids, like my daughter was having a, a situation and God spoke to me and said, this and this and this is what she's doing. And I asked her and she started crying because God showed me the inner workings of her heart and how to speak to her. This is what happens when you walk with the Lord. Right. This is what every Christian should be fully equipped to do. And so when you spend time with God, you start knowing the character of who God is, and that builds the faith to believe that he can be and do everything. That builds the faith. Because you've seen him be faithful and you start knowing him intimately. And it starts building faith in you and I want to read in Hebrews 11:6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Or without faith, it's impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. For whoever would come near to God must believe that God exists and, that he, and he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And we don't preach this enough. If we don't live in faith, we're not pleasing God. Our works don't please God. Our songs don't please God. What we're doing in the world that doesn't please God, but our faith does. And what is faith? It's not believing for stuff. I want to read it to you. Faith. It's Hebrews. I'm gonna read and um, let me see here. Hebrews 11. Where is it? It's Hebrews 11:19. It talks about faith. For he reasoned that God was able to raise him up even among the dead. This is, it talks about the faith that Abraham had. And Hebrews 11.1, 1, I'm going to go back to that in just a second here. I don't know if it's in your version. But the Bible talks about it in the Amplified. And I love how it puts it. But it says that faith, I'm going to bring it up in my Bible here. Are you guys Okay. Are you getting something from this? Yes. Okay. It talks about faith is, sorry, I can't. Faith is the, con. is there a different version? The Amplified talks about it in such a way that I, I want to, it talks about the complete, inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness. Hebrews 11.3. Is that, can you pull Hebrews 11.3. Okay. In the Amplified, which I, which is what I read here. That's okay, you can take this version out. But in the Amplified, that's how it describes faith. It is the, and, and the Amplified takes the Greek words and it describes them. And it says, it's the inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. When I read that, it was really eye-opening to me. And that's what we read later in, Hebrews eleven nineteen 19, when, when Isaac offered, or when uh, Abraham offered Isaac. And it, the whole, you know, Hebrews 11 is the whole chapter of people doing things in faith. But that's what it was. It was inherent trust and enduring confidence in God's wisdom and his goodness and his power. Could we say honestly that we have faith like that? that we have confidence that is not movable or shakable by circumstance. It's the inherent trust, regardless of the situation, that I trust God that much, that he's still gonna come through, that his power is greater than what I know and that his wisdom is beyond mine. Because often God shows up in ways that we don't expect. Could we honestly say that we're people of faith, that we have that unwavering, we don't doubt? That type of faith only comes from your secret place with God. I can't stress this enough. It's time spent with God. I want to talk about something that is really important when it comes to our faith and relying on God and spending time with God. And it's found in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 13. And it's the Holy Spirit. It says, I'll just read it in my Bible. It says, but I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit. I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with him. And when he comes, he convicts the world about the guilt of sin and the need for the Savior and about righteousness and judgment, about sin, the true nature of it about righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character. We do so many things without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, God, Father, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to us is what Jesus was for the disciples. But we neglect him so much. We made, we've stripped the Holy Spirit to a feeling or maybe praying in tongues. Or, but the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he is your advocate, your counselor, your helper. And to me, I was just thinking to myself, like, I don't go to the Holy Spirit nearly enough when I need counsel. When I need comfort. We don't tap into who the personhood of the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Because the Holy Spirit, like I was sharing about my daughter, it was the Holy Spirit that showed me what's going on with her. To parent her effectively. When I'm grieving, the Holy Spirit comes as a comforter. You know, I started A few months back, I just started really learning about the person of the Holy Spirit and how important he is because Jesus did nothing apart from God, but the Holy Spirit empowered him. I was like, Holy Spirit, show me who you are. I mean, God told us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. He never says don't grieve Jesus. Why? Why? Who is this person of the Trinity that the Western church has forgotten? This intercessor, this advocate, this helper, this counsel. When you're spending time with the Lord privately, instead of just saying, God help me, God help me with this, God help me with that, Holy Spirit, give me the wisdom. Show me who you are. I started praying this. I was like, I just want to know the Holy Spirit. I want to know who you are. Beyond occasionally feeling your presence. Who are you to me? It's revolutionized so much. i like just, it is, it's part of the Trinity. It's the Godhead. He longs to know you. Deeply and personally. He wants to show up powerful. He wants to give you wisdom in situations where you don't know where to turn and how to go. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, he convicts you of sin, the nature of it. We always look at the external. God's not worried about the external because that's secondary to what's going on internal. He wants to show you the very nature of how you get trapped Into whatever it is that you're trapped into he wants to show you righteousness which is integrity and godly character and how does he do that he shows you who you are in that private place when he's yielding you and pruning you and showing you how truly selfish you are and how you've made this thing about you and how you actually don't trust him in the circumstance with your husband or with your child he wants to show you where the truth he is he is the truth the person of the Holy Spirit is so powerful and we need him more than any. Amen. Jesus sent him. He said, it's good that I go away. And we don't, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. It's become taboo. And do you, I mean, the enemy's at work here because the body of Christ needs the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to show us. So when we come in faith, we we have the the help of the Holy Spirit. We have words. We know what to say and how to do things. Because we spend time with the Lord, and the Holy Spirit has come as intercessor. When you don't know how to pray, he knows how to pray. When you don't know what to do, he'll show you how to do it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead anything. To build our faith. Without yielding, there's no faith. True faith comes from a yielded life. You won't believe God for things if you don't know him. And you will only know him by spending time with him. You will only know him, that he is trustworthy, that he is faithful when you go through the wilderness. And when you yield, when it hurts, when it's uncomfortable, and you yield. And maybe you're here saying, oh, but I'm, I've yielded to him. I've yielded to him. I'm yielded. Yield again. Amen. Yield again. Whatever we do not yield to God, we yield it to the devil. Whatever area of life that we haven't submitted to Jesus, we have submitted it to the devil. That's why the enemy has so much power and playground in certain areas of our life that have sin and have situations he's always doing this because we haven't yielded it to Jesus we haven't yielded it but the things that we have yielded it God uses and he multiplies it and we see his faithfulness in these areas that we've given to him and we've yielded to him you either are yielded to God or the enemy there's no in between and for the body of Christ to rise up in true faith not faith for stuff But faith that I trust my father with however he pleases to do stuff. However he wants to do things. I'm going to believe for things. And and we talk about vision boards. And I, I love them. I always write a vision. So many things that I have written down and goals of it, they've taken place. It's powerful. But what God is asking us to do is take that and give it to him. And say, God, this is what I'm seeing. Change my heart if it's not right or give me something fresh. But it's yours. However you choose to do it, however you choose to use me in whatever situation, in whatever thing, it's yours. I'm yielded. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you yielded to God for 30 days and you spent time with him privately? What would that look like in your life? What would happen you come into church on a Sunday morning and worshiping and you've been worshiping worshiping with him for 30 days? What would that do? What would that do? I know every time that I feel like I don't have doubt or I have doubt and I don't believe God for stuff or I'm feeling discouraged, it's because I haven't been with Him. But every time I'm with Him, He shifts my heart and I'm renewed and I can believe God for things that feel crazy and impossible. It's really simple. We've made the gospel so complicated, but it's really simple. Be with Jesus. He's going to show up, period. It's really that simple. You have a problem, have you gone to Jesus about it? He was going to bring the people that you need. He's going to bring you the counsel that you need. Maybe it's time to go and say, Holy Spirit, be my counselor. Maybe it's time to say, Holy Spirit, I have no words. Show up in my prayer life. Intercede for my children because I don't even know how to pray for them. Because I don't know. Show me the true nature of who I am. Not what I tell myself, but my true nature. Because I know you want to deal with that. We keep going around the same mountain over and over and over again. Why? We haven't yielded. We haven't surrendered it. We keep having the same crisis on repeat. Why? Yielding. It stinks. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. But that is the only way we're going to have power over that thing. We yield. God, show me. When I was sick last year, and I was like, God, I didn't understand. And when God said, okay, Martha, he showed me something, and I said, okay, Lord. I can get mad at you. And if you decide to take me home, cool. I'm okay. I love Jesus so much. I'm okay. And if these things never happen, I'm okay, too. Now show me what you want me to learn. That's what yielding looks like. What do I need to see that I'm not seeing? What are you trying to say to me that I'm not listening? Because wilderness is where God speaks. Why do I keep repeating the same cycle? Because only one common denominator is us. So Jesus, show me where I'm missing it. That's yielding. That gets rid of pride. I want to read about Gideon in Judges chapter 7. I was reading about him and I thought I could relate to him. <laughs> People who have a lot of faith can't relate to Gideon. <laughs> but Gideon, in chapter 7, God speaks to him. And it's really interesting because he's like, okay, God, if you really said, show me a sign. <laughs> and then... He, 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 he sacrificed. And then he asked God for another sign. So it's okay to ask God for signs. I do it sometimes. I'm like, okay, God, if that was really you, tell me it's you. But what was so powerful in Judges 7, verse 2, we read here. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, because God had him get a whole army. And he had like, I think it was like 30,000 men. And and God spoke to Gideon. He said, there are too many people with you for me to hand over Midian to them. Otherwise, Israel will boast about themselves against me, saying, my own power has rescued me. God wants all the glory. That's why he calls us to a lifestyle of faith, of yielded faith. Because what happens when you know Jesus like that? You realize what you are and what you're not. You realize how much you need him. And when he shows up, you know it's him. That's when your faith is the purest because it's not about you. So he says to Gideon, you have too many people. I don't want someone else to boast of what I'm doing. I think we have too many people. And too many resources. So for us, we can't differentiate when it's us and when it's, when it's God, because we're not we're not desperate yet. We're not in need. We're relying too much on ourselves. We're not believing big enough. And this is what was so amazing when Gideon. T- so Gideon, he, the Israelites came and they took a huge army with. Three hundred men, and the crazy thing is, God did it for them. The Bible talks about it, and it's in in um, Hebrews seven fourteen, and it, and it talks about actually in, in verse ten it says, or in fourteen it says that. The dream is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and the entire camp to his hand. Gideon was out scouting the land, and he heard the Midianites talking about Israel. They were terrified. And Gideon heard him say, oh, God is going to give us all to, to the Israelites. The armies were talking. And when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, He bowed down and worshiped. And then he went to the camp and he said, All right, arise, Israel, we're going to take them. Gideon was in a battle, in a war, and God called him with 300 people, over, I don't know how many there was, maybe they had 30,000. But basically, In the natural, it was impossible for them to defeat this army. And when Gideon was scouting, he heard people be in fear. And what does he do? He bows in worship. When God blesses you, what do you do with it? So many ministries, God starts blessing them. He starts doing supernatural things. And then they start marketing it. And then you see that ministry fall apart. If God starts using you or blessing you, what will you do with it? Gideon fell on his face and worshiped God. And this was so amazing. Is after that moment of spending time with the Lord, he got up and said, okay, we're going after. We're going to go take them. It's him spending time with Jesus Worshipping the Lord that strengthen him to go then and go after it and go defeat the Midianites. The only way for us to honor God, even in our plenty times or in our blessing, is to continuously yield to him. Because he's after who we are is after our core. Because some of us are like, we, maybe orally, we're like, oh, I trust, I trust. But God sees that little spot in, spot in your heart that's bitter. He sees that area that's still angry. know, when I was angry with God, I shoved him away. And what happens when you do that, you open your life for the enemy to work. Because you're angry and bitter. Instead of yielding, saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm bit bitter, I'm angry, and I'm sorry. That, that requires a lot of humility that most people don't have. But the more humble you are, the more God can use you, the more God can do, the more yielded you are. So don't, don't worry if you're being stretched because that means he's, you're being yielded and he is pruning you. I want to ask you this morning, what do you have faith for? Maybe you have no faith. It's probably because you had not spent time with the Lord. Or maybe your faith is superficial and shallow and about stuff and comfort. And it's not yielded faith, which isn't pure faith. God is looking for a bride that is pure and holy. And we can't be holy or sinless by ourselves. That only comes from being with Jesus and yielded. And yes, it's possible. Absolutely. It doesn't mean you don't mess up. And here's the thing. It's not about how long you know God. It's how much you're yielded to him. There's Christians who've been Christians for 20 years that have no clue who Jesus is. They're living their lives as if he doesn't even exist. You can be a Christian for one year, but go so much further because it's all about how yielded you are, how yielded you are, how surrendered you are. Faith comes from that place with Jesus. If you wanna believe God for things, go spend time with him. I'm talking about impossible things. If you can do it yourself, That's not faith. I, in one of the times I had with God last year, I had to find a a new place to live that I wasn't expecting. And I I found a a townhouse, which has been excellent. And um, I was praying, and God showed me a house, like a vision, and I don't really see things like that a whole lot. And it was so weird, and it was so bizarre. And he showed me a lot of details about it that, I'll share it another time. But it was so random that I wrote all this stuff down. And the next day, I was looking just for a place to rent. And because because of COVID, I knew I couldn't buy a house. I wasn't. I already checked it all out. I already tried different ways. It was impossible. So I was, it wasn't even on my radar. And, um, and then I was looking the next day, and I saw this house for sale, and I just felt like I was supposed to look at it. And I was like, ah, oh, no. And I was kind of talking myself out of it. But it just wouldn't go away. And so I'm like, all right, here goes nothing, you know. And I went, had my brother come so he could tell me if it was in decent shape to buy because it was a total remodel. And um, I got there, and I just felt like I was supposed to buy it. And it was so weird because I'm like, there's no way. And so, but God had been talking to me about faith for already six months before that. Because I told you I had zero faith. So I was very much, if I was able to do it, I would do it. And if I couldn't, then I wasn't going to really try. And so anyway, long story short, I started calling banks to see if I could get a loan. I was denied by one, I not denied by another. and And then I was talking to one, and they gave me a loan, but it wasn't the amount I needed. And... So I was talking to someone. I'm like, I found this place. I want to buy it, and and the guy's like, There's no way. I'm sorry. Debt-to-income ratio. You can't have that. Blah 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 blah. So then I call back and talk to somebody else. This was probably my third person or fourth that I was talking to, and I was like, Well, let me let me see what I can do. I don't I don't know. I don't think I can get you that, but I'll I'll see. So he hangs up, and then I get a phone call back from a woman. I relayed the whole story. I bought. I want this house. They, they're asking this, I want a loan for this, relayed the whole story, and she's probably my fifth or sixth person, and, and she was like, there's no way, I, 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 can't, I can't give you what you need and what you want, I'm really sorry, there's no way, and as she was talking, she was like, wait a minute, your numbers just changed, I don't know what's going on, your numbers just jumped up, and it's saying you have the amount, hold on, I, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on, let me check what's going on with your account, because this is really weird. And so she hangs, up. she hangs up, five minutes later I got an email that I got the amount that I asked for and I bought the house below asking price which doesn't happen as you all know in this economy. And it was so supernatural because I knew, I mean I told you I couldn't get it, I had tried. And it was so like just, and I can't tell you I had so many blessings with this place that I won't get into this morning. but. The big point was, God was talking to me about faith and how I had none. And and the more I started spending time with Him, He started showing me, hey, oh, I just want to show up in this way because you know, and you've heard many times over, that it's impossible. And I've, i I try to calculate it, and no, I got just an absolute nose on every front. But I never could put myself in a position to believe, and I had been spending time with the Lord, and I was like, yeah, God, you totally can, you know, and it was bizarre because I almost lost the house, um, which which I was like, no, God, you gave that to me, so you'll figure it out, and it was cool, not because it was about stuff, but it's about my faith and me believing God for things, and this morning when it comes to faith, If you truly are believing God for something, are you preparing yourself for it? We want to sit and we want God just to show up and do it all. That's not biblical at all. I want to encourage you in 2022, the world is saying all this stuff about economy. It's in in a whole, if you follow any of that, shut it off. Shut it off and get with the Lord and ask God about the thing you're believing him for. Whether it's family, whether it's your own health, whether it's healing, whether it's whatever it may be. Get with the Lord about it and ask his opinion and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what you need to see. Have you written, the Bible talks about writing your vision and making it plain. When it comes to 2022, have you written it? Like, what are we really believing God for? What are we pressing in for? Are we, because that comes with, when you write it and you make it plain, the thing is with vision, it's so important because you know what's gonna take you there and what isn't. You know the people that will take you there and the people that won't. And a man with no vision will lead his family straight to hell. This is really important. That as believers, we believe God for impossible things, not because we need them, but God God wants to show himself. He wants all the glory, but he wants to do it properly where the heart is right, where we don't care about the stuff. So when he brings it, it's okay. And then if he asks you to give it away tomorrow, okay, because it's not yours to begin with. Are we going around the same mountains over and over? Have we yielded ourselves to be sanctified? Are we? Is what we're believing for, is it big enough? Because if we can do it, it doesn't require faith. And then are we preparing ourselves to be somebody who can handle it? So many people pray for stuff and then when they get it, they drown in it because they don't have the stamina, they don't have the character, they don't have the ability and the fortitude. Are we strengthening ourselves physically to handle what God is calling us to step into? Do we have systems in place? Are we becoming people that can handle it? Or are we losing it on every turn and having meltdowns all the time? Are we doing the wilderness well? Are we handling the trials? Well, are we throwing a hissy fit? What are we doing to prepare ourselves? Because when you're in faith, nobody in th- in the Bible who had faith did nothing. I mean, I Abraham went to offer his son Isaac. Rahab believed that God was going to spare her and put herself in a position to be killed as the prostitute when the spies came. I mean, we we talk about favor. Oh, God's going to give me favor, favor, favor. You want to talk about favor? Uh, Favor through Daniel in the lion's den. The Bible says he was favored because he worked in excellence and he was wise. It landed him in the lion's den. That's what favor did. Joseph landed him in prison. He had favor with Potiphar. He had favor in the prisons, but he was still in the prison. Mary, the mother of Christ, was blessed and highly favored and was in a position to be stoned. Stoned for being pregnant out of wedlock. That's favor. Are we positioning our hearts and our character and, our, and, and the way that we work and our work, work ethic so that God could bless us? Or that, or God could use us? Are we, like Shane mentioned it earlier, are you enlarging your capacity to handle things? We want God to bless us financially, but we can't even give a tithe. But God, bless me, bless me, bless me. No. When was the last time you gave to a point where it hurt? When I bought this house, God asked me to give more than I'd ever given. Did it make sense? No. I'm still believing God for him to come through, and he has every step. Why? Faith. I trust him. I trust that he can do it. Whatever he's called me to do, he's got it. That doesn't happen overnight. That's daily in the secret place, yielded. Okay, God, this feels uncomfortable. I don't wanna do it, but you told me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. God, I know that I wanna lash out here, but you told me to zip it and whatever. I'm gonna do it. God, you, you will not believe enough for your freedom. If you And for me, even with my mental health struggles, I was terrified. I couldn't believe God for anything until I started spending time with him, and he showed up. You're not going to believe for healing in your body apart from being with the Lord, who is your healer. It's really simple. You won't know God as provider until you step in faith and you give. Faith is always with action. Always, always, always. You cannot have faith without action. The Bible says faith and works. I can go into all that scriptures. You cannot have faith without how you move and what you do. That shows your faith. But faith starts in that place with the Lord. So, this morning, I just invite you and encourage you to get serious about your walk with the Lord. There's not a formula. There's just honesty and time. And we want it like this. I remember years ago when I first started getting into this practice, I'd be like, okay, but I But I kept at it. And I would do it again. And I would do it again. And then I would start seeing God move. And then I would feel his presence. And then I would feel something wake me up sometimes in the middle of the night to pray. Or to be with him it's like this love affair with heaven that when we know God like that everything comes from that place and we don't put enough emphasis, in, emphasis on it in the church so I'm just going to turn it over to the band but I just encourage you to get honest with yourself about your heart where you're at about whether you're yielded Or you're still holding on so tightly, trying to control